You sure you're ready for some more? <laughs> Let me just get my papers organized here real quick. All right. This section is on globalism and the Great Reset. All these different things fit together as makes sense. And, and so as I talk about the globalist and the Great Reset, we know in the book of Revelations it tells us that at some point there will be a world government. <laughs> Um, and so we know that's coming, but we are to stand against it while we are on this earth and we're supposed to be standing for truth. I, sometimes I travel places and some of the Christians go, well, it's just all going to happen anyway, so I'm not going to do anything. And they will still have to give an account for not doing anything. <laughs> um, God didn't put us here to twiddle our thumbs. And so anyway, that's um, that's why it's important to understand these things so you're not deceived by the narrative being pushed in the media and the schools and the, all around you that most people are buying into because they just sit there and listen and, and believe without questioning, without thinking through. Um, but 2030 is a key year for the agenda of the left, the globalist. They're, they're, they're trying to force things to be dramatically different in America and throughout the world by 2030. So these next eight years, there's going to be assault after assault and pandemics. You're going to have things coming at us like we never have before. Um, I think personally there'll be another pandemic type thing because they saw how much ground they were able to take during that whole thing to go, oh my goodness, this has been more, the more successful as far as us getting total control than anything we've ever done. And so um, so I think there just could be a lot of things we have to need our eyes open. But 2030 um, is, is sobering as I read all their plans that they say, here's what we have to do by 2030. And here's our game plan. And here's the agenda items that we're going to accomplish. And it's also important to notice that by 2030, the world is going to be completely different than it is now. Even if we're successful at kind of stopping some of this, it just is. Because they are manipulating things to use technology to basically make men obsolete. And we'll talk about that. But that's why it's sobering. That's why we have to stand against this. Um, but in starting off here, let me read these. The, how many have heard of the World Economic Forum? Okay, it's, it's a group that you think, oh, it's about economics. Now, it has nothing to do with economics. It's a, a group that started in 1971 by Klaus Schwab. Uh, Henry Kissinger, who you probably familiar with that name, Henry Kissinger w was one that helped him set this thing up. Just another global organization like the United Nations to start trying to influence, gain power, and, and then one of the main jobs of all those groups is to get everybody on the same page. So they talk to the elites of the world. Most of all countries of the world go to their meetings. They send leaders there. So they'll tell them, oh, here's what we're doing. 
And so it kind of gets everybody on the same page, moving in the same direction, marching to the same drum beat. And that's why they, there's so much um, just consistency worldwide in this. You go, how, how does all this happen? Well, that's how. That's why they have those meetings. That's why they come bring everybody together. Um, Henry Kissinger, who was key in that, he's still alive. He's in his 90s, and he won't be around much longer. He, since the 60s, has been one of the most influential people in the world. In our State Department, recommending to our government what to do, and most of the times they followed it and everything else. But as I dug in and studied him, he actually, I mean, this, this was shocking to me he would even do this because it would expose you. He is actually a member of the Communist Party. I mean, he is a member. He, he joined the Communist Party over in Germany um, back after World War II and stuff. So I was like, that is just shocking that it seems like a lot of them are smart enough to know I'm a communist, but I'm not joining the party because <laughs> I, I don't want them to know that that's what I'm doing. But anyway, I found that as I was studying, researching him, I'm like, oh my goodness. Of course, our State Department since the 40s has always been doing everything possible to prop up the Marxist dictatorships and to be, to talk pro-American, but always act in an anti-American way. If you study the last... Hundred years, it's every time, it's it, it's unbelievable. There's a, a lot behind that, but the World Economic Forum, they have a video right on their own website, so you can watch it. It's not me just making things up, but it's called Eight Predictions for 2030. So here's what they want to have accomplished by 2030. This is their thing. It's right on their website, so it's not. And this is one of the most powerful groups in the entire world. Goal number one. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. They want to abolish all private property by 2030. All private property. You don't own your home. Nothing is owned. They say, and they have other videos that talk about it, you won't even own your clothes. You have to rent them. Everything will be rented for a sustainable economy. If you need something, you go rent it and use it. Um, but you will, no private property. You will own nothing. Not a car. You'll rent a car if you need it for the day, whatever. That's their vision. I don't think they'll get there by 2030, but to know this is what they're manipulating things to do. You wonder why there's a, a fuel crisis now and stuff. It's all purposeful, people. This isn't like ignorance. We, we for too long, and I was guilty of this too, we always thought, these people are just idiots. They don't get it. That's not true. They're geniuses of strategy. They have an agenda, and they're manipulating things behind the scenes, scenes to accomplish their agenda. And we're naive to think that they're well-meaning but just misguided. It's a lie. They know what they are doing. Um, but you'll own nothing and be happy. That's goal number one. Goal number two, the U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. We will have been taken down. This is on their thing. And our Biden was there speaking at their conference recently. I mean, everybody, oh, yeah, this is a great group. Their number two goal, the U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower anymore. I've studied this for a long time and read so many books from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s to, to see what are they talking about, what were they planning. And all 100 years ago, they were writing books. If we were ever to accomplish world communism, totalitarian world government, America's got to go. <laughs> you can't have this one country up here and then convince everybody else to be involved in the misery of socialism and, and dictatorship and whatever. So that's why it's so been focused on America. Just, I mean, they've, they've pretty much finished off Europe, and now it's just totally focused on America. We've got to take them down. They want an economic collapse. They want that. 
Um, they don't want you to think it's them doing it because they want to get reelected, but they're working behind the scenes to make it harder for you to pay the bills, harder to get by. Why? So you need a government check. Once they hook you in where you're dependent on them, then of course you're voting for them because I got to have my check. I, I can't feed my children if I don't have the check. So that's what they do. Um, there's so many of these things. Goal number four, you'll eat much less meat. They, they want to do away with beef industry in particular. Um, uh, but they just they, they want us to just be on a little measly diet. Bill Gates, as you know, has been recently buying up farmland over, all over America. He is now the, the largest owner of farmland in America of anyone. He's buying up millions and millions of acres because he even he talks about himself in his own talks. He's going to create like a little a genetically modified food thing that you eat and has everything in it, and you just eat that. And that's all everyone eats every day for every meal, and and that's the that'll be sustainable. And so he will be the only farmer left. Everyone else will be put out of business, and he will be supplying your little food supply. But guess what? You won't get your little food supply if you're not going along to get along. <laughs> um, and so. But that's where it is. And he even has talked about, just recently I was listening, watching some of his lectures. He goes, and what we're going to be able to do is modify, genetically modify the food so the vaccines will be inside the food so when they eat it, they're just automatically vaccinated. So everyone will be vaccinated. It's going to be the most wonderful thing ever. But the food will have the genetic information in there to, to, to change your DNA and everything and to be a blessing to you. These people are wicked. Um, goal six, polluters will have to pay to admit carbon dioxide. Now, I don't have time to get into the details of that. But don't, don't ever be brainwashed by their lies. Their lies are always the opposite of the truth. Not just a lie where it's a little lie, because then you can identify, oh, no, the truth's really right here. When it's opposite, that's what brainwashing is. When you believe black is white and white is black, then they've been successful. CO2, as most of you probably know, it's plant food. It's fertilizer for everything that is green. And yet the movement that's trying to cut carbon dioxide worldwide is called the green movement. It's a joke. You, the, the current level of CO2 in the atmosphere is 425 parts per million. Well, that doesn't mean anything to anybody unless you ask the question, what is the optimum level of CO2 for everything that is green? Because we do care about what's green. Why? Because everyone lives off what is green or, what's eat, or what eats what is green. So we do care about green. Do you know what the optimum level is? 1,600 parts per million. Four times what it is right now. We are at the very bottom of the scale of CO2. And if it drops from 425 to 150, if it ever gets down to 150 parts per million, everything green dies. That's why greenhouse growers, they have big machines pumping carbon dioxide into their greenhouses because every time you double CO2, plant growth efficiency increases 35%. So if you have plant, plant a tomato plant right here, outside, and grow it, and then you plant a tomato plant inside this greenhouse right here, and just double CO2. So you have 800 parts per million in here, and you have 400 out here. This tomato plant will produce 35% more tomatoes. God designed the earth to, oh, there are more people, more carbon dioxide. Oh, it's going to, the crops will make more food. <laughs> but we've bought it, we've allowed them to lie. Carbon dioxide is a pollutant. It's a pollutant. Our Supreme Court declared it's a pollutant. 
Why do they do it? So then they can control it. They can tax it. They can do whatever. We don't have near enough carbon dioxide in the world. And, and, and we're trying to cut it. It, it. I mean, again, that's why they always do the opposite. Because it's hard then to get someone to take a step from their whole life fighting. This is a pollutant to go, no, no, we need more of it. it it's a hard step. And that's, that's, very, that's why they manipulate people to believe that. Goal number eight. Western values will be tested to the breaking point. And what that really means is you watch all their stuff and read their stuff. What's Western values? <laughs> Biblical Christianity. Traditional morality. It'll be that we'll have given up on that and we'll have a brave new world. Something brand new. It's going to be so much better. And that's what that is about. Now, what is the deep state? Here's kind of a definition in case you're like deep state. Everyone's kind of heard of it now. Ten years ago, if you'd have brought up deep, deep state, people go, oh, what are you, a crazy nut, you know, tinfoil hat, whatever. No one's saying that anymore. Because everyone saw when Trump was elected president, and he couldn't even have a private meeting with the intelligence community without it being on the cover of the New York Times the next day. You realize, okay, something in Washington, D.C. is far more powerful than the president. What is it? And everyone started to realize, oh, it's the deep state we've been talking about. And so people started to say, well, here's, I'm going to just give you a brief history in that because it's important to understand so it makes sense. Because a lot of people go, well, how can a few people have control of everything? Here, here's how it makes sense. Here's the definition first. It's all the things, the deep state is all the things you don't see, kind of the shadow government that influences our elected officials to act in the best interest of an elite few instead of in a way that's best for our country. It's why when you elect people and they go there and then they don't do what they said they would do and they don't stay, and like, what's going on? Well, there's people in Washington, D.C. that have far more influence over the representatives than the people do. And that's why you're like, yeah. And they know how to give you a great talk, quoting the founders and everything when they're home here to get you to vote for them, and they go back there and do nothing. Or they do actually worse than nothing. They do things that are opposite of what they said they would do and try to always have a good excuse why they did that. But here, as I dug in, I go, where did this come from? How, how has it become so powerful there? Here's just a few things I found that are very important. How many of you have heard of a man named Cecil Rhodes? Okay, just one person. How many of you have you heard of Rhodes Scholarships? Okay. That's the same thing. And it was a very ingenious thing. What it was is this guy who was real rich, and I'll tell you a little bit about his story. He f started a foundation called the Rhodes Scholarship Foundation. And he put all his millions into that before he died. And he said, I want to give the, uh, the world's sharpest, brightest young people a full scholarship to college because it might come in handy to me later. When you've paid for someone to go to college and then later you say, oh, remember we paid for your college? We want to tell you about what we're working on worldwide. Um, they're going to be, oh, sure, what, what, what's, what's going on? And that was a clever scheme for him to go. He, gives the, he finds the sharpest kids in the country and around the world. He gives them a full scholarship to whatever college they want to go to. And then when they're done, all the other Rhodes Scholars, Bill Clinton was a Rhodes Scholar, all the other Rhodes Scholars then are going to help you since you're one, get a good job and be successful. And as you climb up the ladder of whatever it is, once you get up high enough, you're a governor, you're a senator, you're a head of a big company, then they pull you into the little inner circle. 
and they say, here's what we're doing to control the world. And so that's how they've, over the last 150 years, gotten so many of the sharpest people on board with this plan. Um, but here's how it started. He was in his early 20s in the 1800s, um, and he graduated from college, and he heard that they were discovering diamonds down in Africa, South Africa and other countries in Africa. And so he went down there to work in the diamond mines. And through just an incredible turn of events, he ended up being one of the main shareholders in all the diamond mines in Africa. So by the time he was 30, he was one of the richest people in the world. He had so much influence in Africa. They named a country after him. Have you ever heard of Rhodesia? Rhodesia is after Cecil Rhodes. Okay, now it's Zimbabwe. They changed it to Zimbabwe. Do you know why? Because Rhodesia had been the, one of the most prosperous countries in the world until the communists took it over and destroyed it, and they didn't want people to know it's the same country, so they changed it to Zimbabwe because they didn't want you to know. Wasn't Rhodesia real? I mean, one of the richest countries in the entire world. It was on par with America. I have a friend that grew up in Rhodesia, born and raised there. He said it was a paradise back then, and the communists took it over, and just now it's... A loaf of bread is $10 trillion right now, today. $10 trillion. That's how they've inflated the money. So, um, so he did that. Now, this is a key point. Um, so he gets that money there. And I thought, how does it always happen to them, that kind of thing? And I was reading the Bible, and I go, oh, this is how it always happens to him. Listen to this carefully. This is when Jesus is being tempted by Satan. And listen to this. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. And of course, Jesus didn't contradict him. And it let me go, Oh, he has the power to give wealth and fame to whoever he wants to. He has totally, and that's why I go, it finally answered a question for me. Why are almost all, not all, but almost all the super rich in the world evil people that are working to, to enslave and to control and to, that's why. They got their money from Satan. And the, the thing, he saw they were someone that will do what I want. I'm going to, Cecil Rhodes went down to Africa in his 20s and got, Satan saw this is a guy, I can tell he's already corrupt and evil, and he was vile. You read his own books, he was vile. He loved molesting small boys. He wrote that in his own stuff. That was his favorite thing to do. So, I mean, th these people were vile. Um, but Satan saw that and maybe even told him about it. I mean, that's, we know from, how many of you ever heard of Bob Dylan? He's one of the ones, but many people in the rock and roll industry admitted they had made a deal with the devil. He's one of them. If you watch the 60 Minutes interview from the 80s or 90s, and he's just on 60 Minutes, which isn't a Christian thing or anything, they say, how did you, you know, how, how are you so successful and stuff? He says right on there, I made a deal. And the guy kind of laughs. Can I, can I ask who you made a deal with? And he goes, the prince of this world. I mean, it was just clear. And he goes, because the guy said, well, why are you still playing music? You're getting older? He goes, I, mean, I got to keep up my end of the bargain. He promised to give me fame and wealth if I play music till I die. And then there's a documentary on him. And this is just one example. I think this is very common. We're just out of that world. But, but there's a documentary. There's people that knew Bob Dylan when he was a teenager. 
and they said he was no good at all on the, on the, on the guitar. And then they said one summer, just months later, we saw him, he was incredible. And we said, how did this happen? And he said, I made a deal, and I got this. I mean, that's, I'm, this is just provable from first-person testimony, but I'm saying that idea is, is, is common. We don't think it is, because, well, that sounds weird. Well, Satan's not coming to a Christian to do that, probably. To, you know, so it's not happening. But it's there is a spiritual battle we are in, in a spiritual world that is as real today as it's ever been. When Jesus walked around and people were possessed of demons, saying, "Oh, what, what, why are you coming here, Most High?" You know, that's that's still going on. There's demon possessed people today too. I think there's millions of them but they might not be screaming in the tombs and stuff. They're in positions of government, and they're, they're doing things for this agenda. But anyway, that verse, I think, is a key thing because then it made sense. That's why almost every person that is ultra-wealthy just becomes wicked in, in their life. And so anyway, here's what his plan was. So he becomes wealthy. He is into this, and he, here's, I'm going to just read from his own book. This is Confession of Faith, What Happened? And you see where the deep state came from worldwide here. Here was his plan. On June 2nd, 1877, so 150 years ago, the very day he became a member of the Masonic Order, so he joins the, the Masons and goes through their ritual, whatever that is, he said he came home, he had a vision and he wrote it out in a book called Confession of Faith. <laughs> it's not faith. I believe it was satanic. But here's what he said, quote, The idea gleaming and dancing before one's eyes like a will-of-a-wisp at last frames itself into a plan. Why should we not form a secret society with but one objective, the furtherance of the British Empire and the bringing of the whole world under British rule and for the recovery of the United States and for making the Anglo-Saxon race but one empire, a one-world government? And he goes on in the thing to talk about. He goes, we need the religious, political, and economic unification of the world into a world government where it's all controlled from one place. He combined his tremendous wealth with the Rothschilds family from England, where he was from. He got to know them down in the diamond mines because they were one of the main owners of the diamond mines. So he got to know them. They had the same goal, so they've pooled their wealth together. He started the Rhodes Scholarships, and they have done many other things. Um, and the world's just never been the same since. He must have been an incredible communicator because as I was reading about it, he, uh, Rothschilds, who knew everyone, that was the richest family in the world, still is today, he knew everyone that was wealthy. So he would set up meetings for Cecil Rhodes, Rhodes to come talk to these other wealthy families. And they say at the end of most of a, a luncheons, a couple-hour luncheon with Cecil Rhodes outlining the agenda and the vision he had for world control, most of the families would commit their entire family fortunes to the thing. They slowly started getting all the wealth of the world. Every rich family goes, we're in. We're in. Tell us what to do because they want to be part of ruling the world. They don't know when it's going to happen. They want to be, so, they, so that's why they, they have endless resources, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars to spend on this because they have an agenda and they have a goal in mind. We need a one world government or religious and economic unification of the world. And he goes on in there, he said, through the establishment of many schools and universities and by educating the children, buying up the newspapers, which was 
media back then. That was all the only media there was back then. And creating intellectual arguments for their cause, they could dispatch emissaries of propaganda throughout the world. So they were going to get control of education and media and then start making really good-sounding arguments for world government. There'll be no more wars. There'll be peace on earth. They'll, you know, where people go, oh, that sounds good. And so they'll be able to manipulate all the countries of the world to go, that sounds good to me. Let, let's have a world government. And, but, but as you study, the first group he started, that the, the one he had the vision to start, guess what the name of it was? <laughs> He's a very, he was a very humble man. Uh, society of the elect. <laughs> so we are the elect of the world to rule. The, we're the only ones smart enough to rule the world. That's what Karl Marx fought. That's what all these people are delusioned into thinking. Um, and so, but that's, the wealthy from the world would come to the meetings of the uh, society of the elect and then go back and start groups in their own country. One of the families that came there and went to the Society of the Elect Meetings was the Rockefeller family from America. And when they went to the meeting, they came back and started the Council on Foreign Relations in America, which was the counterpart to it, which its stated goal is to work toward world government. Okay? Now, if you haven't heard on Council on Foreign Relations, it's not some hidden group. It's the most powerful group in Washington, D.C. of anything. Nothing's even close. If you ask any congressman, what group in Washington, D.C. has the most influence, they'd say, oh, the Council on Foreign Relations. So it's not a hidden thing. They have sold themselves as the brains of Washington, D.C. Every single president since FDR has had most of their cabinet and key positions members of the Council on Foreign Relations. Even Ronald Reagan, almost his entire cabinet was CFR members. Almost all of them. Trump had a bunch of CFR members. Because again, they've sold themselves. They don't tell you, we're for world government. <laughs> you go back to their founding documents, you see they're for world government. They tell you, they have like 250 PhDs on staff to write papers to our Congress telling them, here's what you should do in every situation. All these things. That's, and our congressmen don't have a clue. Most of them are so ignorant. It's amazing. Um, I got to know so many of them over the years. I'm like, I thought they were going to be impressive people that are really sharp. They're not. <laughs> they're happy. They're very kind because they're a politician, but they, they don't know much about anything. So when th those people, they get a paper from the Council on Foreign Relations, and it has a list of 250 PhDs in the footnotes of this is what we recommend, they're going to do it. I don't know more than 250 PhDs. So, so yeah, okay, let's push that bill. That, that's what they recommend. So that's why they've been able to just push and push and push. And we wonder, why does it keep going this way? We want it to go this way. <laughs> that, that's why. The strategy was the strategy the Agenda Films talks about. And I mentioned a little of Antonio Gramsci's strategy. You take over the institutions of influence, and then you use those to change the people. Some of the ones they've gotten control of, just to list them out so you realize this is so huge. And this is why there's the consistency. That's why your liberal universities here in North Dakota are preaching the same things they are in Alabama where I am or in California. It's like, why is this so unified? That's why. There was an agenda to get control of information. They control most television news, print media, Hollywood, the music industry, the curriculum for the K-12 through schools and all colleges and universities, politicians at every level of government, federal, state, local, the Pentagon, the military-industrial complex, the seminaries and divinity schools, all the think tanks, the nonprofits, the medical industry, big business, big pharma, all the regulatory agencies, and on and I could go on for an hour. 
They've slowly, over 100 years, with endless resources of money, worked their way in. They pay for the fellowship at Harvard University to get one of their professors in there to be head of this department, and they pay for this. They, the Rockefeller family bought up the entire medical industry 100 years ago, the 1920s. They started giving mil hundreds of millions of dollars to all the medical schools, and any ones that wouldn't accept their money, they forced them out of business. They decertified them. So they only had a handful. If you look back at the 19, early 1900s, there's way more medical schools than there is today. They've got it down to ones that will do what they say. They'll push big pharma as the solution to every problem. Why? Because John D. Rockefeller back in the 20s realized you make pharmaceutical medicines from petroleum. And I control all the petroleum of the world almost. So we need the solution to every medical problem be a pill so we can make money on it. And then we're going to, and they're the ones that came up with the uh, very effective uh, attack on the natural medicine. They came up with alternative medicine. Everything is to be like alternative. If it's not real medicine, it's alternative. And they started up, they started the term quackery and all that, that the Rockefeller family, because to, to, everyone was back into natural things back then, as they had been since Adam and Eve, of herbs and things that, and most, this is what most people don't know. Most of the pharmaceutical medications, they're trying to mimic what's in nature. They study, okay, this herb works for that. Okay, how can we chemically produce something that's kind of like that, but it's chemicals, so we can sell it. We can patent it and then sell it to you, so you have to take your pill from us. Um, and, of course, but all their pills had side effects, so they came up with pills for the side effects. I mean, it's just, you, why, you look at it and you go, it's, it's so evil, but it's genius, if we want to just have money rolling in like you can't believe, this is what we're going to do. And it just, it, go, it goes, but that's all part of the deep state. Their tactics were to use propaganda. Back in 1928, a man named Edward Bernays, he wrote a book called Propaganda. If you haven't read it, you ought to read it. It's so powerful. You can read it today. It's a short book. But he talks about, he was an advertising genius, but then the government came to him and said, how can you help us sell our ideas to the American people to manipulate them through propaganda to go along with what we want them to do? And so he started working for the government. And, but it, it, he just, in there, it outlines a strategy. I mean, it's like the term, trust the science. Okay? That's, that's a term of propaganda. One, because science is never settled. It's never, it's always, it keeps advancing, keeps changing, keeps, there's many opinions in science. There, there's things, but they know if we get them to believe, trust the science, if we have a doctor <clears throat> like Fauci, that we tell him what to do, and we say, he's a doctor, and he tells you, you got to have three masks on and be six feet apart, even though the medical industry and every study ever done will tell you a mask does nothing to the spread of virus, nothing especially a Walmart mask that says right on it, not for medical use. And that's what everybody has on. So you, it's a total lie. And you catch most viruses through your eye. It touches your eye and it goes into, gets into your body. So it's just, it's, it's nutty as can be, but that's how they, they, they can control people. When you can brainwash, trust the science, trust the science, and then they say they're the ones that have the science. And you think, well, yeah, science is kind of good, but they've manipulated science to say what they want instead of what real science is, but that's effective. He, that book is so interesting because you see in there how they manipulate things. The bacon industry came to him back in the 20s and said, we're having trouble selling our bacon because people think it's not healthy for you. And so he goes, okay. He had a survey done across America. Who is the most respected 
person in America, the, 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 the position. And he found in this survey, doctors were the most respected people in America back then in the 1920s. So he goes, okay, I'm gonna have commercials with doctors saying, I recommend you having bacon three days a week for breakfast. And he had them do the commercials and people, oh, my doctors recommending bacon. And bacon sales just went like that. The tobacco industry came to him and said, we can't get women to smoke. They think it's dirty and whatever. He goes, okay, what do we do? They're thinking it's dirty and like it is, <laughs> you know, like it was. And the people, they were, just women back then were just not into that. It was just like, that's a gross man thing. Um, and he, he came up with Virginia Slims. And, and, and he goes, I'm going to sell cigarettes by having these campaigns with this beautiful feminine woman is smoking. Dresses on and pretty. And, and where people start to go, oh, she smokes? Oh, maybe I should too. She's beautiful and she's so... You know. And so it just is all total manipulation. But they knew when he came to the government, he told them, all you have to do to, is to get blind allegiance to government is package everything in patriotic language. You know, it just if you're not for this war, you are not for America. You are not, you know, for freedom and for and you package that. It will because people he could see people love this country, especially back in the twenties and thirties. He goes so package it like that, and they will do anything you say. And that's what they started doing. They just would wave the flag as they're telling you we need to pass the Patriot Act because these terrorists might you know get us, even though it nullifies all constitutional rights. George W. And we said, oh, it's the Patriot, yeah, I'm, for, I'm a patriot, patriot, I'm for it. And now we see, oh, they've redefined what a terrorist is. Now it's a domestic terrorist. It's a mother who's going to a school board meeting and saying, I don't want your kids, you teaching our kids about critical race theory. And the FBI literally is then surveilling them. We know that as a fact. Just last year, they admitted they were having watch those women's texts, calls if they spoke up at a meeting and they're tracking them down. Many have been just abused by the system, by then arrested and things, even though they didn't do anything but just threaten with things and stuff. Where they, What does it do? Silences people. When you use the intelligence community to torment the American people, just like Stalin did with the secret police, it makes you fearful. Oh, I better be quiet. I better not say anything. I don't want them coming to my door. But that's all part of the thing. Um, what time is this session supposed to end? Okay, I, well, I won't go that long, but um, okay, let's see here. Um, so anyway, so, so that, I gave you the background of it. So since the late 1800s, it's been getting wealth getting control, getting everybody on the same page through these secret meetings and stuff. And then as we come uh, from World War II up to today, uh, into the 70s, like I said, the World Economic Forum started, but also a group called the Trilateral Commission that was started by the Rockefeller family. And it's a real group. You can go look at their stuff. They were able to pull, get where they were getting mainly political leaders and business leaders, just top people and presidents of colleges and universities to come to their meeting every year. And it was a private meeting, so we had to be invited to come. And the one rule of the meetings were, you cannot ever say a word of what is spoken here or you will be out. 
and no one wants to be out, so they're quiet about what's talked about. And, and so uh, that was a key one. That's another way, because you wonder how, like in the same month, I remember 10 years ago, I started noticing the green leaf or whatever on packaging for stuff where it's we're sustainable. How did it just instantly overnight just pop up on every label of every food? And I'm like, what? What? Someone had to tell them that when something is so consistent, like the news media, you know, six companies own 90% of all media in America. And if you look who the stock main stockholders are in those six companies, it's these same elite people and groups. So they're the main the shareholders that then that's why it's so consistent. You've probably seen those little ads or those little videos of where one news person starts saying something and then they start adding more and more in, where it's word for word saying something. This is an attack on our democracy. You know, this is a, every like someone gave them that tagline because on that same day, every TV station in America said this is an attack on our democracy. They didn't say it differently. They didn't have a, a you know. Uh, and so you go, oh, so they are literally getting cues from those higher up and, and they've taken over completely like a New York Times type of thing where then all the smaller media kind of looks to them. Oh, they're the respected one. So when they say this is an attack on our democracy, they realize, well, oh, I better say that too and to be in and be cool. Um, but the Trilateral Commission since I think 73 it started – um, the last 50 years, it's just been having these yearly meetings with all the business leaders, the Fortune 500 companies, all the college and university presidents, uh, senators, congressmen, vice presidents, presidents, um, leaders of, of, you know, uh, prime ministers of many of the countries. They all come there and they say, here's what we're going to do. Okay. And so that's why then it's so consistent everywhere that it goes. And some of you, if you're skeptical of this, which I was when I first came across it, here's some key things. Those on the left, many of them, before they die, they don't want to die without telling you what they've been doing. It's like that pride wanting you to know how successful they have been. One of those such people was David Rockefeller. He just died a few years ago at 101 years old. His family has had more influence on destroying America than, than anyone. No, no one even close. Um, and he said this in his book, when he wrote his memoir, he said this. Uh, he was talking about how people talk about his family. He said, some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interest of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others um, others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure, a one world, if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. I mean, his own book, at the end of the book, he said, everyone's been attacking our family. See, we're cons we have a conspiracy. All that. So he goes, yeah, we do to build a one world government against the best interest of the United States. That is what I've been doing. And we've been very successful. And then someone also slipped into one of the Trilateral Commission meetings in a talk David Rockefeller was giving to all of them. Here's what he said, and just, it confirms everything I just told you. He said this, quote, so he's there, all those leaders are there, media, everything. Quote, we are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. 
it would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the bright lights of publicity during those years. But the work is now much more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a world government. The supernatural sovereignty of an intellectual elite and the world bankers with them is surely preferable to the national autodetermination practiced in past centuries. Do you understand what he's saying? What's national autodetermination? It's you voting for, for your people. He goes, an intellectual elite ruling the world with the bankers, that is so preferable to you morons voting for who you want to be in power. He said that in 1991. He was getting so confident that, okay, we're getting close to this thing. We're now, we didn't care if they hide the thing, which they haven't hidden as much anymore. There's more open talk about this stuff now. Before the 90s, you had to study to find this stuff out. And then when you talked about it, people would go, what kind of idiot are you? That's ridiculous. They couldn't do all that stuff in secret. They, 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 we would know about it. He told us, oh, no, you won't. Cecil Rhodes said, oh, no, you won't. We're going to have a secret society. He had a vi- I mean, Cecil Rhodes, he, he talks about it, and he, a vision came to him. Like a Joseph Smith and Mohammed and all these people. Oh, an angel came to you. I believe an angel did come. I don't think they're lying. <laughs> um, I think an angel came to them and said, here's the truth. And they were like, again, why did he, why did he come to them? <laughs> because Satan said, they will be useful idiots to my agenda. I need a world government. Why? So I can rule the world. I want everyone to worship me and not God. So I, the attack's always on God. Get him out of the picture. So Satan wants, when he is sitting on the throne on this world for a very brief time, he wants to be worshipped like God is worshipped. Um, and he will be. But it will only last a very short season as normal. Um, okay, so coming in to today also some key things to be aware of. Um, The World Economic Forum with the United Nations and the World Health Organization, all those things are controlled primarily by the communist countries of the world. Red China is complete control of like the World Health Organization. Um, Tedros, who is the leader of it, he is also a member of the Communist Party. That's not like a fringe guy. And he's not a medical doctor. They call him Dr. Tedros. He has no background in medicine. And he's the head of the World Health Organization. But they picked him. He was leading the communist movement in Ethiopia. And they go, let's have a black man just so it looks like we're, you know, racially, racial justice. But he's he's a communist there, has no background in medicine, doesn't know anything about it. And he's the head of that. And he just does what he's told. So it's very simple. Um, If you attack him, you're racist. If you don't agree with what his recommendations are, you're racist. We don't even have to debate you. (laughs) That's why they do that, too, because they have now set up the narrative of race in such a way that you, you say something, oh, I don't agree with what Obama said. Oh, you evil person. No, 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 I, I don't agree with what he said. <laughs> oh, it's how horrible. But, but it's very effective, and it silences opposition, which they have to do. Do you know why they have to silence opposition? Do you know why Al Gore says the debate is over, even though it never happened? You, you can't have a debate, because all the truth is on our side. So you would see clearly... If you were dealing with any issue, history, science, medicine, you would see they're total liars. And here's where the truth is. And they can't have that. That's why it's always the debate's over. 
it's been discussed, it's settled, uh, you're crazy if you don't agree with us, everyone agrees with us, and on it goes. But now we're entering a new stage, and the World Economic Forum is kind of really taking the reins now. I see them being pushed up with the influence, and, the, and they're laying out the agenda, but so many things are coming together, and I know they want them to come together by 2030, if possible. But one of the things is, and they have a video on this on their web, own websites, you can go watch it, called, it's called The Fourth Industrial Revolution. And on that, they talk about clearly how they want to now integrate computers into people's, right into our minds, where they can know what you're thinking. They say that so we'll know your thoughts, your dreams, everything about you. Um, and they're already experimenting on people doing this. And, and, and we'll just have total control then. Um, and we will know what's going on, and we're doing it for your own good. So you'll just think good thoughts, and you'll just, you know, whatever. But it's, I mean, it's really crazy. And then they say, and I'll, I'll talk about this a little more later this afternoon when I have a talk on rethinking college and career on some of that stuff, but they their goal is to, within 15 or 20 years, eliminate 90% of all the jobs in the world. And they, on their video, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, say, and you'll own nothing and be happy, so you'll be living in a rented apartment where while you're sleeping, you know, while you're there, it's yours. But once you get up and go do something during the day, then other people will use it, maybe for a business meeting or whatever. It's, just, it's nutty what they say. But they talk about artificial intelligence and this transhumanism where they're going to integrate computers into the human being. Um, and their goal, the more you watch their videos is the, in their own words we want to create eternal life here on earth isn't that funny they want eternal life without Jesus and they think they're going to be able to download their brain some of the top people I've read their essays we're going to be able to download our brain into where it just becomes data in the computer systems and we can live forever I mean it's just it's so nutty there's television programs in Europe they're a little further down the road than us I watched some of the episodes where some of the top television shows for young people in Europe are a show where a girl's doing that she's in the hospital and they're getting ready to download her brain into the thing and she and their parents are like what, what are you doing and she's like it's going to be so far beyond anything you can imagine and she's doing this and they're so they're already brainwashing kids into no this will be the ultimate ultimate ultra reality It'll be like in a video game the rest of your forever. It'll never end. And you can have it be whatever you want. As if the information in your brain, even if they could decide, that's not you. Your soul is you. Who you are, that, that's who, and that's what has value. And that's the identity of you. Information would be like downloading a photo album of your family vacation. You can't go back on the vacation by looking at the pictures anyway. It's just an image of that. But you won't be there. But it's a clever way. I think they'll be talking people into suicide to download into the machine. And they'll be telling them, yes, they're all in there now. It's wonderful. And they will not. Again, Satan hates us because we're made in the image of God. Anything to kill, destroy uh, human beings is part of the agenda. But it gets into that. And so they're trying to eliminate jobs. They say in this future world, once the jobs have been eliminated, then you'll just be able to do whatever you want. Well, I, I've studied them and this whole topic long enough. I'll tell you this. The day 
you are not useful to them is the day you will be dying. <laughs> they are not funding you to go have coffee with your friends. But can you imagine how meaningless that world would be even if they did do that? Where you had nothing to do any day. You're not doing electrical work. You're not nothing. No, go just wander around all day. The suicide rates would go up 10 times overnight because God designed us to have a purpose and to be doing something and to be productive and to be creative and to use the talents he's given us for something, not just to I'm gonna sit and watch TV the rest of my life. What a pathetic existence. So, but that's what they say. Tied into this, of course, is key, a key element of this is the central banks are working on right now is to go to a digital currency where there's no more physical money anywhere in the world where all the countries will be on a digital currency and they'd love eventually for it to be one currency, but at first it'll just be individual countries. Our own Federal Reserve says it should be in the next two or three years. Okay, so then you have no more tangible money. And so they even say themselves it will be a programmable money. And I studied What's programmable? I was like, what does that mean? Programmable. It means they can then, when it's all in the computer system, they can program it where, oh, if you're black, your dollars will be worth $1.50. Oh, you're white, you're one of the oppressors, yours will be worth 75 cents. They also can program it where it can only be spent on what they say it can be spent on. They will, and they, they talk about this right on their own website. Oh, they see you've had too many hamburgers this week. You have to buy a salad. You, your money will not be good on anything except a salad because you're having too many carbon emissions by the things you're eating. And you're, creating, you're destroying the planet. Sounds crazy. It's, it, that will be here before 2030. Seven and a half years, that will be here. I've, I've read their stuff. They're, they're, they're getting close. The whole reason our government has been pumping trillions and trillions of dollars into the economy over the last three year, two, three years is because they know it's getting ready to collapse, but they're not ready with the digital currency yet. They're going to let it collapse once they're ready with that. They just keep pumping money, and so the stock market goes up, even though all the businesses are closed. Think about, you know, in 2020, the stock market just starts going like, there's no business hardly open. How could you, because it was the trillions of dollars of, you know, all this money coming in, and it was getting pumped into the stock market. And if you look where most of the money, the $11 trillion they pumped into the system over the last two years, $11 trillion, most of it went to big business. Well, we want to make sure they don't go out of business. And they just bought stock with it, their own stock with it. It's free money from the government. They don't have to repay. And it's in tax, you know, we were having to pay that back. And so that's what made the stock market just keep going and going and going. But that's why they were doing it because they weren't quite ready yet. They're going to try to keep it afloat as long as possible. But then I believe they will let it totally collapse and then say, okay, we got it. We're, the dollar is done. We have a new unit. It might even be called something. We have a new unit. It's, it's, it's digital. You can't have it stolen from you. It's going to be great. And everyone's like, oh, whatever. I need something to buy something with. And they'll get that. Another thing tied into that, of course, they'll know everything you buy or sell or everything you do. Um, but they'll type, tie into that something they've wanted for 20 years ago. They were talking about this. We need a digital universal ID for every person on the planet. We, we, we got to know who we're trying to control. I mean, there's all of the, every person on the planet has to have an ID where we know who they are. And now with the currency thing, if every country is digital, we'll know where everybody is and what they are doing. So that's the, you can't control them if you don't know where they are and what they're doing. So that was a key thing, and that, but it's coming. Um, 
And so uh, that's some of the things that, that will be coming that you just need to be aware of. When that comes, we need to do everything possible. And I'm sure maybe things will come up, the alternatives, whether it's a Bitcoin type thing, whatever. I think alternatives will come up. That's what I love about America and people that have been free for so long. We're creative. There's a problem. Remember the old incandescent light bulb? And the environment said, no, that's evil. It caused too much thing. And then they said, you have to use these fluorescent bulbs. But people go, we don't want to use those. So what did the, the free market do? People, okay, they can't use these anymore. They don't want to use these. They're toxic. They're, you break one. You have to evacuate your house for two days. So they're not into that. Is there something else we can do? And they came up with the, you know, the new uh, halogen lights and different things. They're even better than the originals, and they're not putting out radiation and everything. I'm like, isn't that great? They say, you've got to do this. And people are like, no, but we'll do this. And it's even better than the ones they came out with. But that's what, as long as we have a free market, I think things will be popping up. But they hate that free market, so they're trying to regulate, regulate, regulate. COVID, some of the things accomplished with that was, of course, the lockdowns, which had never been done in the history of the world before. They did it because communist China was doing it. And it was not, the paper just came out two weeks ago. One of the top medical schools in this country said, from their study, even the recent pandemic, but even history, they said lockdowns have zero effect on the spread of a virus, zero. So the hundreds of thousands of small businesses that went under because they couldn't close their doors for a year, most of them are not reopening because they don't have any more money to go do it all again. You know, all the big businesses just exploded during that time. But that's another thing. The bottom line is they want this. They want every job, whatever ones are left, to be either for big business or big government. Where they eliminate all free market capitalism. Right now, this week, a day ago in California, you probably saw the state of California passed a law that independent tractor-trailer drivers are not allowed anymore. If you're not part of a big business union, you cannot truck in California. 70,000 independent truckers there have just lost their job, jobs there. 70,000 truckers at a time we're having shortages and backups and everything. You think, why would they do that? Because they don't want you making your own money, your own schedule, you're in control of your own thing. No, if you're not part of a union, big business that, that is in bed with big government, <laughs> together they scratch each other's back. See, big business funds the, the campaigns of elected officials, and so then as a return favor, as they get elected, then they pass laws that make competition to big business impossible. You know, all the things, if you look at like, where businesses had to pay for medical insurance for your employees and stuff. A lot of people think, well, all businesses would be against that. That's a huge expense. Now, big business was totally for it because they knew small business can't afford to do that. We'll just jack up our prices and it doesn't cost us anything. So jack up our prices, give our employees insurance, whatever. We don't care, but competition will be gone. John D. Rockefeller himself 100 years ago said, competition is a sin. And he was talking seriously. We have to eliminate all competition. And so that's just part of their agenda. I, I could go into many different things, but it, it's a real agenda. You will see this unfolding, I mean, over the next several years. And so we need to be adapting, watching, coming in with alternatives, um, getting a group of like-minded people, like at a church and other people, where you have a community of people that you can take care of each other. 
things get really bad. No, 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 we know how to grow food. We know how, we have animals, we could do this. And you get to know people with different skills and different abilities so you can survive whatever they try to do and then keep spreading the truth. Every person, we made agenda as a family because I realized 12, 15 years ago, most people in the church didn't have a clue what was going on. And I had come across all this information. I said, the church of all people need to understand the times. If they're sitting there, I don't know what's going on, then how are they supposed to inform the world? And I'm telling you, when you inform neighbors and family and friends of what's going on and what, you know, things like that, it helps them look at you like a teacher, like someone that knows what's going on. So then when you share the gospel with them, they're like, oh, you know, it all starts to make sense. And so, but we made that to wake people up because we realized so many were asleep. And the good news is, I think over the last couple of years with all that's happened, so many people have awakened, millions more on our side than ever have been before, which is a great blessing. And I think the blessing of Biden coming into office, even though, even though the, I know you're like, what? He didn't say blessing. No, everyone, including Democrats, are getting to see their stuff doesn't work. It's a complete and total failure at every point. So even if you're not conservative, nobody likes where gas is five fifty a gallon. Nobody likes where it's just, you know, just it's hard to make ends meet. I mean, the eggs, the food, the, where you're struggling. Their policies make us struggle, and they want it to be permanent. Because the struggling people need help. And they want to be the one to give you the basic universal income, which is one of their top goals, where every person gets a check every month from the government. And you need that. They want to create the condition where you need that. So then they got their hooks in you. And then you'll be quiet because I need my, my kids are hungry. I need my check. So that's what they do. But anyway, that's kind of a, the global, people then ask the question, how did the globalists fit into communism? I thought, oh, that's interesting because they, they seem separate, but they're not. <laughs> As you dig in and study, you realize I went and studied the communist revolution in 1917, the Bolshevik revolution. And I go, where did they get the funds to do all that? Oh, the Rockefeller family was pumping them hundreds of millions of dollars. The Rothschilds, all they want, the globalists wanted an enemy in the world. One, to create fear. So you're fearful, so you kind of do what your government says. And there's a big enemy there. It gives them excuse to build up military, which they make a tremendous amount of money off of because they own the companies that make all the weapons. And then it would give them the excuse if they wanted to start a war somewhere, they could always blame it on the communist. And so they go, oh, those evil communists. And so they could, if they want to get a guy out of power, oh, we're going to have a war there and remove him from power. We don't like him. So the globalists are behind the communist because they realize the communists will do the dirty work for them. When they have world government, they're not going to have to be going around door to door shooting people. They go, these people are happy to do it. <laughs> they're ruthless. They're evil. Well, that's just who we need working for us. So the communist dictators of the world, Putin himself, he was a young global leader trained at the World Economic Forum. Do you know that? He went through their school when he was young. The World Economic, most of the leaders of the world, a huge number, all went to the school of Klaus Schwab the Young Global Leader School, it's a two-year program. It's not like a week or something where they train you, here's what we're doing in the world. So the whole thing in Ukraine could easily be them. They tell them, we need a war, attack. Okay, I'll do that. It, it, it's literally that level. And they always want hunger and starvation because they their number one goal 
in their own stated principles. They have 10 commandments for the 20th century, 21st century. That Mikhail Gorbachev wrote for them, the communist dictator. And it was on those stored stones, the Georgia Guidestones. Have you ever heard of those? They just got blown up last week in Georgia. Um, I've been there before. Commandment number one on the new Ten Commandments, maintain the Earth's population below 500 million. Seven billion people have got to go. They can't control. There's too many people to control. And so they're using the excuse of if climate change, environmentalism, global warming, all this to make you go, oh, we shouldn't have children. And, and yeah, there are too many people. And so it gives them an excuse to eliminate. But famine, see, all the people that are going to die in Africa this next year, you're not going to have to see that. We as Christians should be heartbroken and just disgusted at how evil man is to do that kind of thing. But they want to eliminate. To them, they are useless eaters. That's what communists call people that aren't beneficial. They're useless eaters. Kill them. Eliminate them. And so they'll do it through, oh, it was a famine. It wasn't our fault. They created the famine. They created the gas shortages. Right here in your country, in this state and all over, we have so much natural gas, coal, uh, petroleum. We could make that thing. A gas should be 75 cents a gallon. And we should be able to even be exporting it to poor countries at that rate, too, so they can have clean, cheap energy. And it's clean. It's a total lie. We've learned how to make those coal-burning fans so clean today. We drove by some of them. And I just said, isn't it amazing? A hundred years ago, they were blowing out black smoke because they didn't understand, oh, that's pollution. We better Now they're blowing out a little steam out of the top, and that is it. It's so clean. It's a lie. They don't want cheap energy because cheap energy makes people productive. And the more productive people are, the more free they are from them and their control. That's what it is. So anyway, I think it's about lunchtime, but thank you for being here. And later, I know in Q&A and other things, we'll get into more encouraging things. Some of this is heavy if you haven't heard it before. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be burdened if it's like, I don't know about any of that stuff. Don't be burdened. But you can't be have your eyes blinded to the truth. You need to know what's going on. Um, but God is still God. He's sitting on his throne. He's in total control. And he had you born for such a time as this. So there's a reason why you're here. And if you're just doing what the world's doing, you're not doing what he put you here to do. So you need to ask him, what would you have me do? Because he's got a specific plan for you. I mean, it, it, he, he is. He is specific. He knit us together inside our mother's womb for a purpose. And I didn't ask him that until I was 32 years old, but I realized, wait a minute, I'm doing my thing, and I've always been asking him to bless it. <laughs> I'm telling him what to do. And, and I, he got a hold of me at 32. I said, sorry, sorry for wasting 32 years. You're God. What do you want me to do? And he is, I, I could give a whole testimony on that, but all the things he's done with my life since then, I'm shocked. I go, wow. My plan was to make money and have a nice life. His plan was completely different, but a thousand times better. And he, because he knew, oh, you're going to like making a movie. Well, I don't know how to make a movie. Yeah, but you'll like it. I put stuff in there. You're going to enjoy this. And I did. And it's just so, but if I never would have surrendered like that, I would never have made a movie. I would not be talking here. I never would have been representative. I never would have had nine kids. I never would have done any of that stuff. I just wouldn't have done it because that wasn't my plan. My plan was a nice, cushy life doing what I wanted to do. And so I just want to encourage you in that. On the day you die, all of you and you children, so glad you're here. 
love talking to children. That's the future. I'm like the left. I want to get a hold of the children. <laughs> you old people can go, no, I'm just teasing. But, but that's the future. And um, at a young age, if you tell God, I'm all 